In a world of complex and overwhelming challenges, the Inspirational Insights Podcast provides a shift in perspective. Dive into the minds of brilliant thinkers, creatives, and edge-riding leaders who have adapted their thinking and leadership practices to match today's perplexing challenges. Your host, Donna Jones, leads captivating conversations with trailblazers from diverse fields who have transcended tough and complex conditions to contribute to a healthier world. Can we collectively break old habits to reinvent the human work-earth relationship and support the vitality and diversity of all life? Harnessing agility, embracing possibilities. Welcome to the journey. With me today is Amanda Bauer-Frisch. We're talking today about how do you work with events that aren't on the program. Society tends to think that life runs on a linear path. This is what happens when you get this particular age. You accrue things and there's a certain pathway that theoretically is supposed to happen. Life doesn't always work like that. There's some sort of catalytic event. I mentioned in the opening episode that this year would feature some inspirational insights coming from individuals who have taken what's been handed to them and turned it into a more meaningful, purposeful step in their lives. I call it vital journeys. Inspiration comes from every single person who's been through something that's abrupt, challenging, took you into a place of uncertainty, because that's where you can lead at a much higher place. Today, we're talking about Amanda's experience. What happened for her? What was the catalytic event? And how did she remain true to herself or even find what that meant? Because that's really a big part of the journey. Amanda, thanks for being on the program. Yes, Let's start with what happened. Yeah. So my story is in 2017. My husband and I were eating dinner with our one-year-old son. He was almost two, and I was pregnant with our second child. My husband started to have a weird pain in his throat. We knew that his father had a genetic history and a family history of a heart condition. This was an odd pain that he had never felt before. We couldn't quite place it. So out of an abundance of caution, we went to the hospital, to the emergency room, And very quickly, they realized he was having an aortic dissection, which means his aortic valve was tearing. He passed away about two hours after we arrived in the ER. They did everything they could. Sadly, the hospital we were at was not equipped to handle an emergency of that level. And there just wasn't enough time to get him to a larger hospital that would have been equipped to handle that type of emergency. Putting your life back together when your husband dies and you're pregnant and you have a young child and you're a two-income household and now you're a one-income household was definitely my catalytic event. And now one of many in my life, I call it my origin story. We had a wonderful relationship and a fantastic marriage. I was 30 when he passed away. I spent most of my early 30s trying to figure out who I was and what did that look like, finding myself, mostly one day at a time and one minute at a time, it felt like at at times. but. And how old was he when all this happened? He was also 30. Yeah, so not what you'd expect. No. At that period of life, yeah. Wow. Right away, you're thrown into a complete life disruption. Yes. You've got a small child and another one on the way. How did you process the whole event, what came up for you? 
besides a lot of emotional turmoil, but how did you sort your way through that? Yeah, a couple of things that were really impactful and helped me process what was happening to me. My late husband was a sheriff's deputy. We were at home. He was not working when he passed away, but the department had a fantastic psychologist on staff who I got to meet with right away. I got some grief counseling and some therapy, I think on day two or three after he passed away, which I hope everyone who experiences a loss like that has opportunity to seek some professional mental health help right away. The other thing that was really impactful is I met a group of young widows through a group called Soaring Spirits, and they happened to have a chapter near me. I realized I was not alone in being a young mom and also being a widow because I didn't know anyone else that had been through that. They really helped me recognize that what I was going through was very human, and although not many people go through it, there were common themes among amongst our stories of the young widowed community that we could share with each other and process through together. We frequently say that we didn't order this on the menu of life, but here we are anyway. So true. So true. Thank you. That gives people an idea. This is one catalytic event that can throw you completely off. Where are you now? You hit that experience, threw everything up for a period of time. Where has that, what did that take you that's different from where you would have gone had nothing like that happened to you? Oh, yeah. That's a question I ask myself all the time. What would my life look like if, if he didn't pass away? And uh, when he w was alive and I was working full-time in human resources for a large grocery store chain, I really liked my job and I was happy working. When I had my second son and went on maternity leave, it really gave me a chance to evaluate how could I live my life and did I need to be working full-time anymore. I was able at the time to, to work it out so that I worked part-time and then I could have part-time to fulfill my role at home and be a mom. Then I started dating again about a year after he passed away and met a really wonderful man that I ended up marrying and he adopted my two oldest sons and then we had a third together. So that took me to the start of the pandemic, and I was a mom of three at that point and a stay-at-home mom by choice who quickly realized that I was not cut out for stay-at-home mom life. And it's a very hard job that requires special skills that I do not possess. I started making these wood piggy banks in our garage in honor of my late husband because he was so passionate about financial literacy and my new husband encouraged me to sell them on Etsy, and they blew up from there. Over the last four years, we've been building this business that started with this simple wooden bank that has three compartments for give, save, spend. The other part is through that process of starting a company and my garage and growing it, my new husband and I have also lost 125 pounds each. We have really made our physical health a priority for the first time in our lives. There's been several shifts that have happened. I think what I recognized as the secret sauce in each time is doing the really small things and giving yourself grace when you don't get the small things right, especially in the beginning, because you're going to get it wrong a lot in the beginning. 
on weight loss, a lot of people try every kind of diet. I was definitely one of those people. And if I didn't see results instantly, then I just was frustrated and gave up. But when you see sustained results and when you can see real like positive action in your life and in any area, I think it's when you can take those really tiny, small steps and just get comfortable doing those before you take on more. That's spectacular. It's quite a combination. Where did you find your strength or your resilience in the process? Because there's always in those moments, that place where you just think, how am I going to keep going? How am I going to move forward? Yet somehow you always, you dig deeper and you find a resource that you didn't know you had. That was my experience, at least. It was intentional to say, okay, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to keep going. What happened for you at that stage where you're in that void between how you thought things were going to be and how things might be without having clarity? In the beginning, what really fueled me was a desire to want to make my late husband proud. That definitely is still a desire that's close to my heart, but it seems to have been replaced with a desire to want to make myself proud and work to my full potential. And I'm still trying to figure out what that means exactly. When it's my last day on earth, I want to know that I gave 100%. Some days that looks like a little less effort and some days it looks like a little bit more. Now I'm fueled by this desire to just make myself proud. Beautiful. Beautiful, because it is that place where there has to be something that pulls you through, a North Star, a sense of purpose. What have you discovered skill-wise and mentally in terms of developing your thinking? And what have you observed in being an entrepreneur that you really love? I was one of those people that didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I went to college and graduated, but never really did anything in my field. I always was a really hard worker and had a good job and would get promoted and recognized at work. Entrepreneurship has just checked so many boxes of allowing me to use my skills of networking and helping to solve problems for people. I get to design a job that I really love. That's what I like best, being my own boss and designing a job that I love. That's what's clicked for me. Yeah, what's interesting about that is the way you've said designing the job I want. There's so much creativity and so much freedom in that you can enjoy in an entrepreneurial role or an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial job, but it's still mission-driven, it's purpose-driven, it's strong, and it's clear. Yes. You've got quite a, a scope of entrepreneurial initiatives. Out of them all, and feel free to name them, but out of them all, which one do you feel most focused on right now, most proud of, most inspired by? We have a couple of things going on. We have a woodworking side of our business. On that side, we make the wood banks that I was talking about before. We call that brand Small Legacies. We have another brand, a woodworking company called Navy Paddles, and we make paddles that become decorative awards and display pieces that honor military achievements or retirement gifts, things like that. The woodworking is all done in Wisconsin. We also have a quilting side of our business. We have a quilt store and we teach sewing classes and things like that. The common theme for me in all of those businesses is the idea of legacy. And when someone orders one of our really cool Navy paddles that's honoring a Navy SEAL that is highly decorated and accomplished in their career, 
the desire to honor that legacy, although it's a different legacy, it's the same desire that we see from our quilting ladies when they're making a quilt that they want to pass down to their grandchild. It's the same desire to honor the legacy. That's what is exciting to us. What motivates us is helping people unlock their own legacy in different ways, whether that's through a woodworking piece or a quilting piece. In doing what you've been doing, it doesn't matter whether it's running a business or recovering from an event like the one you experienced, there's a need to keep really balanced emotionally and to at least be aware of. How has your emotional awareness shifted from the time that got propelled into this shift to now, how does that inform your entrepreneurial initiatives? Keeping yourself emotionally regulated as a leader is really hard. And it feels like that should be your number one focus, but it's easy to put on the back burner. I have recognized how much better I feel and how much more regulated I'm able to keep my emotional and mental health when I eat a fairly decent diet. That doesn't mean no treats or bad stuff, but like I eat on a consistent schedule that I'm going to bed about the same time and waking up about the same time. I have things prepared at home to make my life a little bit easier throughout the week at work. Those kind of things really help set me up for success. If I'm able to put myself first, it helps the business in the long run. Yeah, said, as you say, it is the hardest. Yes. And it's quite likely because we, particularly the women, but I think it's true for men as well, but there's always other priorities. There's always something ahead of you. And if you don't do it, what have you noticed happens? In those moments where you've lost sight of staying balanced emotionally, how does it show up? Oh, yeah. I get really angry, like really easily. I call it my irrational anger. <laughs> if I click something wrong on the computer or I make a stupid mistake, I notice that I will start to feel more rushed and disorganized. Those are the first warning signs that, okay, something's not quite right. You need to get yourself back in balance here. When I was juggling being a single parent and running my consulting business and all of that, I would start crashing into things. Oh, yeah. Not with a car, fortunately, but I'd bang dishes together. My coordination just seemed to fall off. Abs I will accidentally bump my hip on the side of the counter or something. And, yeah, I know what you mean. That happens too. It's those kinds of, and I call those signals. Those are signals to me. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm not grounded. I'm too busy flying through my, like using your head to organize everything and forgetting it's attached to a body. Yep. So I need to round out what I'm doing and pay attention to the whole system, the whole yes. period. Yeah. What else did you notice? How did your kids teach you? What did your kids teach you about staying balanced in, in raising a family while you're running these businesses and recovering? Yeah. Oh, goodness. My kids are young still and they really help me remember to be present and be in the moment because it's really easy as an entrepreneur to just have your mind always thinking about 10 different things that need to get done at work. But I'm also trying to be a halfway decent parent at the end of the day too. When we're playing a game or doing something or reading, I want to make sure that my attention is there with my kids that is easier said than done sometimes. I don't want to say that I am perfect at that. It's definitely always something I'm aware of and trying to improve on being present. And But the kids really help 
remind you what life is all about. Like those little moments with the kids and having fun as a family and enjoying life is really what it's all about at the end of the day. Absolutely. What advice would you give to someone who goes through an interruption to life that's as abrupt as yours was? How would you coach them or help them coach themselves Yeah, going through something like that? My number one piece of advice would be to take things really slow and be very kind to yourself. I talk about making really small goals. On the second day after my late husband died, my goal that day was to eat something. That doesn't sound like a very big goal, but that's all I was capable of that day. The next day, my goal was, okay, I need to make an appointment to see a counselor. And that's okay if that's all you're capable of that day. If you did one tiny thing to help yourself for tomorrow, that is going to pay off in the long term if you can keep doing that a little bit for yourself every day. How do you find yourself now moving through the world as opposed to where you were before all this happened? Oh, I am much kinder now. And I don't think I was intentionally mean before, but everyone is going through pretty hard stuff. I don't know very many people that aren't going through some hard stuff. It's easy to forget that when you're frustrated in the grocery store line and you're racing from here to there. The kindness factor and the awareness of others has changed in me. I see you've got a poster behind. Life is tough, my darling, but so are you. Tough used to mean that we plow through hard stuff. I grew up in a cowboy country. Women were men and, uh, and you were all tough. It was a weird tough. It was not a compassionate. The idea of self-compassion was you brush your teeth or something like that. <laughs> didn't have much to do with actual compassion like you've demonstrated. But now with the experience you've had, how would you define tough? Oh, yeah. Tough. I would say I was raised in an environment similar to maybe to what you're describing in that tough means you just keep going. You never talk about it again. I think real toughness and resilience and grit is Yes, moving forward, but also being able to talk and recognize the real human emotions that were involved in an experience, what we can learn from them, how we grew. I think that's really what resilience looks like. Also being willing to admit personal mistake at times and recognize that we can all improve. Was there ever a time you felt like giving up? going on a permanent massage or something. Yeah. If so, how did you pull yourself through that? Absolutely. There's been many times I've wanted to give up. There have been people that we've hired that haven't worked out for whatever reason that I take a lot of personal responsibility and blame for. There was a situation where somebody outright scammed us. That doesn't feel great to have been taken advantage of. Many moments early on in my entrepreneurial journey where I had the option of keeping my business small and just having it be me and managing this business just on what I could accomplish during the week, I felt very unfulfilled. And I felt like I wasn't living up to my potential by playing it safe and keeping things small. That motivates me a lot now as well 
because I think about that moment and I think about, yeah, but if you shut it down now, you're going to go back to that moment when you realized you're capable of more. So keep going. It is exactly that. There's a certain, it's either curiosity or courage or both. Maybe they are dancing a tango of some kind, perhaps where you are in that spot. You think I could do this, but what if Mm -hmm. I'm saying no to even more fulfillment or even more discovery about who I am and what's possible in the world. So I appreciate your answer. Yeah. Certainly seen that myself. And I also want to say I appreciate very much your full on honesty because my questions tend to be very revealing. And uh, I appreciate you just going there with me on this. I think vulnerability is a superpower that people overlook. Absolutely. It absolutely is. That's what beautifully said. You've also done a TED talk. Tell me about that. What prompted that and what message were you laying? The title of my talk is called In Defense of Participation Trophies. During the talk, I share my first day back to work after my late husband died. And I was sitting in a meeting, and the young man who was leading the team meeting that day clearly forgot it was my first day back to work. And he asked us to go around and share our five-year plan with the team. I did not know. My husband just died. I was pregnant. I had no idea what I was going to be doing in five minutes, let alone five years. I share in that story about how I wanted a participation trophy that first day back to work. Going back to work was really good for me in hindsight, but also I wanted an award for showing up that day and for a lot of days. If you talk to famous athletes who have achieved greatness in their careers, most of them will credit their failures for their success. Michael Jordan shares that he wouldn't be a great basketball player and one of the greatest of all time if it wasn't for missing over 9,000 baskets during his career. The only way you get better and you improve your skills is by you keep going and you learn from the times that you didn't win. I like the idea of participation trophies. That's what I'm sharing in that talk. Now, the flip side of that argument is especially in sports where there is a real winner. Yes, those people deserve a trophy in a different way for being the winner and they deserve to be celebrated. But also let's recognize effort because effort and participation is way better than not participating and being absent, especially for children. I think that's such a powerful message. Participate, try, put in the effort. Even if you don't win, you're going to have learned something and you try a bit harder next time or you try it a little different way next time. What you're getting into is something that I'm quite fond of, which is what are you aiming for? The outcome or, and I should say, the process along the way. Because as a professional facilitator, there have been situations where people reject the result because they weren't involved in the process. That makes perfect sense to me. So if you're engaged in the process of life, then the outcome is yours and you own it. It's part of, you know, who you are. Yes. So there's a lot to be said for that. It's not about being perfect. In fact, being perfect reveals an addiction. Yes. In its own way from an archetypal outlook. Yes. Perfectionism is really debilitating and I am definitely a recovering perfectionist. So I think that's something that you need to try to get over really fast if you're an entrepreneur because things will not be perfect very long. No. In fact, they're never going to be perfect. And if they are perfect, then there's something wrong. Right. Like you're not 
putting your head up. You're not looking around. You're not seeing change coming at you from the side because you think you've nailed it. You think you've got stability and certainty and you're just going to get side. What's that term? Side swipe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're not paying attention. How is all of this? Now, you've got kids and so you're watching them. And they're young, so they're learning from you. They're taking this in hypnotically until they're about six. When you see that, what do you feel is the superpower from the whole experience? Even though it was rough and unpredictable and sad and tragic, what came out of it that is a real blessing in its own way? What I've realized, I think, is one of the biggest blessings is that I try to surround myself with people who are capable of talking about the hard things. And who I'm able to share and be honest with, hey, today I am having a really bad grief day. They come out of nowhere occasionally, and I'm just having one of those days. Because there are a lot of people who either are not capable or are not interested in having hard conversations. And that can lead to so much strife and tension. I've realized it's not how I want to engage with other people. I try to surround myself with people who I'm comfortable with having tougher conversations when they need to. I hope my kids don't shy away from tough conversations when they need to happen. So we openly talk well, talk about death in our house. It's just a more matter-of-fact topic at our house. Yeah, it makes everything real. Yes. It's the difference between a superficial conversation or superficial set of conversations that really don't have any depth. And being prepared to do the deep dive, because without the deep dive, there's no insight. There's no, the big word now is authenticity, but it's just real. There's no growth without the deep dive. Another thing that motivates me is leaving the world in a little bit better place for my kids than I had it. To be totally honest, I don't know what that looks like yet. One thing I'm hoping to create with our business is if one day they would like to have a job, assuming they are capable of doing a good job, They could have a job with our family company. When Adam, my late husband, before he had passed away, about eight months before he had passed away, he had an opportunity to have surgery on his heart as a preventative option. We got several opinions about it, and it was decided that it was not necessary at the time. Clearly, that was the wrong medical choice, but A very real factor in that decision-making process was the fact that we had, in air quotes, regular jobs, where we had regular PTO buckets. When you have a major heart surgery, it's not a two-week thing. He was probably looking at being off work for at least three to four months if everything went well. When you have a young family and then potential of losing an income, it's a lot of very real considerations that people face. I guess all that to say, we didn't have a family business that was in our family at the time to have another choice of employment. Maybe if my kids ever need a job, they know where to find one if they're willing to be a good worker. Beyond that, I know that I feel like one thing I can do is to be a good small business owner, to be vocal about what that means, to be a good employer and a good member of the community so I can help set the example and set the example for a world that I would like them to live in. That's a big goal. I don't know that I'm going to accomplish that. That's a lifetime goal. 
There's nothing wrong with that. The expression that I've heard is that when you set a 10x goal, a, bit, a really high goal, bigger than you, you're going to do great things along the way. Yeah. And whether you get there or not, you'll do great things along the way because you've set the bar so high. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, you've broken it into these little steps so you can get things accomplished along the way and live with integrity. Yes. That is something that I think we have disrupted in this world. Integrity is being compromised by all sorts of pressures. Mm -hmm. And you have to be really clear about who you are in order to not get pulled into that and uh, pulled around by outside pressures. These kinds of experiences bring you into yourself 100%. You're no longer being pulled in multiple directions because you're anchored. You know what you're aiming to achieve. You know what's important. Right. And, and the level of courage you need to move forward shows up because there's clarity. I think it's a rather brilliant phenomenon in the sense that if you think about it linearly and you think, if I just do, that's not how it works ever. Right. It might. If you're fixing a bucket and sticking tape on it. Yeah. Okay. But it's the more profound experiences that we have that bring out what's possible. Absolutely. So you were talking about potential. Your comment was that I'm not sure what it is. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I also know it's that question around what if, Yes. what if, and what if I don't? Yes. That <laughs> what if I don't, that is a bigger motivator sometimes. I wrestle with that quite often. Now, I want to expand your experience to the globe because when we were training facilitation years ago, you'd have these little skirmishes inside teams and so forth. And the conflict would be used not for useful purposes. One person would try to take out another, sabotage success, undermine somebody else so they could get more informational power, which fortunately with the apps we have, that's no longer as strong a currency as it used to be. Mm -hmm. But still, there is little skirmishes expanded to world event. And here we have something in Ukraine going on. We have polarization and it's a mess. And instead of using it to become more fulfilled or the achievement of potential, we're still using that to separate, divide, and put people in different camps. When I look at your experience and what you did with it, the whole business of loss, sudden and abrupt out of nowhere, and then a huge amount of responsibility landed in your lap. You did one of the lovely pivots, which is not easy to do. Nobody can underestimate what's involved in pulling yourself together and then stepping forward. It's absolutely brilliant. What you did is something that I think expands right across the planet for being able to take a hard thing and turn it into something more clear, more focused and sense of purpose in your life, and also a gift to your kids because they may not understand cognitively what went on, but they certainly understand in terms of strength and resilience. Yes. And beyond resilience, because you've taken it to a place of creativity. I really appreciate that about what you've accomplished here. Well, thank you very much. Knowing that in the context of world events and and scoping out of the United States, which has got its own ambiance, especially right now with the elections going on in the background, what do you see for people who, like yourself, like other people that have had abrupt loss, what do you see as a North Star? What would you suggest people do to guide themselves out of the complete emotional confusion of something like that? Yeah. There are times in life when you have to have your focus be so narrow. If you've just experienced loss on a personal level, 
I think is one of those times that you have your focus be narrow and that you don't maybe worry about some of the larger community or world events because you're taking care of yourself first and that's okay. If you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, take care of your shelter and your food and water first and then your psychological safety before you worry about the next couple of things. And then on the flip side is if you're in a place that you don't have to worry about those basic needs and you have some mental capacity to lend a hand to these bigger community or world type initiatives, then maybe it's time to raise your hand and step forward to to support those efforts. Even if you don't take it to the global level, even by doing it at a local level, you're already moving it forward because a ripple effect. Right is the word I'm looking for. You look after things at home, you build that, you stay, you work with things in a constructive way, in a creative way, and you can mitigate a lot of the destructive behavior that happens when people don't take that step into a deeper part of themselves and just solve the problem by random acts of violence or self-medication or the suicide rates we're seeing. Yes. There are options. There's openings for people. Absolutely. Amanda, where would I send people to see more about, by the way, I did look at the bank, the little bank, because I have two grandkids and one of them is almost at the stage where she's three. She's almost at the stage where she could put stuff in there. Oh yeah. We'd love to send you a few for them. Um, That would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You could check us out at EnduringLegacyCo.com. That's our websites with the links to our woodworking and quilting company. You can check out my TEDx talk on YouTube. It's called In Defense of Participation Trophies. I would do want to comment briefly on that, if I may. One of the things that's in the indigenous traditions is the conversation around love, recognition. That's what the participation trophies, I'm not, for me, it wouldn't be a trophy, but it's the idea of that love and recognition. Same thing when you went back to work, it would be the empathy sourced recognition and acknowledgement that we can see you, you've been through a lot, we love your back. Those are the steps that I think make all the difference in the world. Simple things that people can do. They don't have to think globally. They just have to think about caring. Absolutely. It's something so simple. You don't have to change the world, but maybe you can change one person's day and show some empathy and compassion to one person. And absolutely. I love that. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on and being so honest about what you went through because that's not easy. When you get zoom out and get enough distance from it and emotional detachment, you start to be able to see what really happened here. This happened and then this happened and then these influences came in from the side. It becomes a more navigable journey when you understand there are some steps and some processes that go with it, some things that you have to pay attention to, losing the weight. That's brilliant because you can't function when you're not physically. A lot of emotion gets stored in your body. Yes. So when you do that work, it opens up so much more because now you've released a lot of from your physical body. So amazing work. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on today. My pleasure. An inspired sense of purpose doesn't come when everything's certain, routine, and predictable. It comes from life's interruptions and how you choose to use them. There's a series of steps involved. One of them is emotional recovery. Amanda did a great job of explaining the process. Making sense, that's the emotional processing side of it, just making sense of what happened. Refocusing, now what would be the question that would help you think that through or feel that through? 
And then finally, stepping up when you see something that can come out of it that's good. The awareness of self, the whole business of being able to see through a completely different lens and see yourself in a different way is a big part of it. It's a service level orientation. I would say that it's very much a part of evolving your consciousness, your personal consciousness. I've put a download link to what I call the Wheel of Resilience, which is essentially a way of understanding what you go through and experience when you've had a setback like the one Amanda described. Perhaps you can use it to reflect on your own experience with maybe it's the COVID pandemic interruption and how that hit you. Perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it's loss, death of someone close, or some other interruption that caught you by surprise. All of these follow a similar pattern and a, a similar pathway, although the tools you might use to follow it are going to be different. So I'll put that into the show notes so you can download that. I hope you've gained some inspiration from Amanda's story. I'll put her links in the show notes and her TED Talks. I hope you enjoyed the program and Amanda's story as well. I'd be very curious to get your feedback on this one and look forward to seeing your comments, likes or reviews on Spotify and or iTunes as well. If this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, it's been around since 2016. Prior to that, I had another podcast that started in 2008 called The Evolutionary Provocateur. This podcast is obviously the Inspirational Insights podcast. The mission is to bring humanity to a much higher level of awareness, consciousness, and compassion for all living things. It includes great workspaces. It includes working with natural creative talent every human has in a beneficial and a positive way so that we can really collectively tackle the big questions and the big issues facing our civilization today. My name is Donna Jones. You can find me on LinkedIn and or Instagram. The links are in the show notes. If you'd like to leave something in the tips jar, it would be greatly appreciated as a form of feedback. The true confessions, I need production help the support you give will help me make that happen. Thank you for joining me.